Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome again to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and we're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, as we gear up for our big conference, SOAR 2022, uh, we are going to have some of our our speakers as well as some of the breakout leaders on our podcast. And today is a part of that series. Jonathan Kofer, who is the high school pastor at Antioch Baptist Church in Conway, is going to be sharing with us. And so I'm excited to have him. But before we get to that, I just want to thank our podcast partner, Central Baptist College of Conway. Central Baptist College is engaging, it's challenging, it's inspiring. It's many of those things that your students need if they want to have a Christ-focused education. And so have them check it out at cbc.edu. They can look at all sorts of things. They can find out if they'd like to set up an in-person visit. They can do that virtually. There's all sorts of options in that way. Uh, But have them check it out at cbc.edu. Well, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I am very excited uh, to join you guys today. Jonathan is, as I've mentioned, the high school pastor at Antioch Baptist Church in Conway. He is a graduate of Central Baptist College himself with uh, in 2011 with a BA in Bible. He also went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and graduated in 2015 and is back in school again, working on his Doctor of Educational Ministry in family ministry. And, um, you know, it is great to have a guy like Jonathan on the podcast. He's a thinker. Um, He's a family man. He's got three kids, two dogs, and he loves spending his time with his family. And so, Jonathan, um, we want to hop right into the conversation, but I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit better. And I didn't give you this question in advance, but if I'm in Conway, where do I need to take my wife out to eat? Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh, I'm just going to go with what my wife likes to eat, and that is a place, it's Korean barbecue called Bulgogi. Uh, it's a it's really, really good food. So if you're ever in the area, you definitely need to try that out. That's a great suggestion. I know that when I come down, I'll come and visit my daughter, who is going to be a senior at Central Baptist College. Uh, but we have all sorts of folks in that area. The BMA World Headquarters is located in Conway. And so if you find yourself in Conway, we're going to tell you to reach out to Jonathan or any of the staff really at Antioch, and they'll help you navigate the the town if you have any questions. To get our listeners more up to speed with who you are, I love starting with this question. How did you come to meet Jesus? Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, my mom and dad, they loved the Lord and uh, grew up in church my entire life. And so Uh, I just remember being in second grade, third grade, and I was going to a Christian school even, saw several of my friends come to Christ, and I'm just thinking, I really know that I need to do that. I know I have sin in my life, but I'm too scared to do that, and uh, mainly because my family has has 
grown up, had, had me grow up in the church. And through that, I was just too scared. But one night, my mom prayed with me, as she always did by my bedside when I was nine years old. And she just asked me, Jonathan, you know, what, what would you think about Christ coming into your heart and being your Savior? And I was like, well... Uh, I honestly felt like this light bulb came off in my head and I was thinking like this freedom, I can actually talk about this now. (laughs) So we had that conversation and uh, I don't know why I was so scared to have that conversation, but I was, and we did. And she showed me scripture through, through Romans. And then we prayed together and, and I chose to accept Christ as my Lord and savior at nine years old, just right there in my bedside. The years pass from that point. Who invested in your life as as a teenager? You know, as I was thinking through that, um, there were a lot of people. One of the guys that really did was uh, a guy named Nate Law. And Nate Law asked me when I was a teenager, how is your relationship with the Lord? And he was my basketball coach at the time. And he just asked me, how's your relationship with God, man? And uh, I was like, well, I'm I'm faithful to the church and a pretty good guy. He's like, yeah, but what's your relationship with the Lord look like? And I honestly, I, I didn't know how to answer that as a teenager in in high school. And so he really set me down and showed me what it looks like to have a relationship with the Lord. So he was a big person in my life for that. Uh, Another guy, he was one of my teachers at Conway Christian whenever I was in high school, Billy Crow and Billy Crow um, still to this day, uh, some of the things he taught me and some of the times that he invested in me just really shaped me and formed me to the man I am today. And um, and there was a few others as well, but uh, my football coach, even Chuck Spear, while I was playing football in high school, uh, just a big influence on me. Just watching him follow the Lord spoke volumes to me. The last thing I would say is is my dad, just watching him daily commit to the Lord the way he uh, was a husband to my mom, dad to me, the way that he uh, I would see him read his Bible in the mornings and, and pray, just really kind of taught me a lot of how to, to follow the Lord. So so there's you a few uh, of some people that invested in me. It's, your story is similar. I love hearing it, but it is similar. You have some coaches that have spoken into your life along the way, your parents, um, and those are the... Those are the people that make such a significant impact. We spend a lot of time with those people. Of course, our mom and dads that, you know, we live in their home. Um, But I think about those coaches or those band directors or choir directors or those people that are investing in those areas that we get passionate about. And that's always exciting to hear that, especially in cases like yours, where they're asking those big questions. You know, how, how is your relationship with Jesus? What does that look like? Is it real? And so we're going to be talking a little bit about that sort of concept today, the reality of faith for our students and what that feels like. Uh, But before we get to that, hey, Jonathan, why did you choose student ministry? Or why did you feel like God pointed you in that direction? Whenever I was in ninth grade, I really felt called to the ministry. And at that point, honestly, I just wanted to preach. You know, I thought that was really what ministry was. I thought it was preaching. And so, but then I also just saw the influence that uh, my youth pastor had on me and other students. And um, I kind of just wanted to do that. And honestly, I thought, you know, this would be good uh, 
um, for me to do. And and then I got the opportunity, and I found out there's a lot more than preaching that oh, yeah. <laughs> comes with being in ministry. I found out, oh yeah, there's there's planning. You got to be able to deal with people, and that's not always easy to maneuver, and that's not always going to be so black and white. And right. not everybody's going to like you. <laughs> and so I'm like, yep. okay, this is not what I thought I was getting into. Uh, I'm not a planner by nature and not an organized person by nature, although through time I've had to just learn to be. But why student ministry now that I've been in it for a while, I, uh, I could honestly say that it really is my heartbeat and my passion to invest in families. And, and when I look at, at really, I guess, what I want to see in our students' lives is them to know God and to make Him known. And I truly feel that that's done really through the whole family and through discipleship in the home. And, and so that's kind of my heartbeat of why I wanted to be in student ministry is to invest in the student, to invest in leaders, to, to help them but to also invest in parents and mm. to, to equip them to, to make Christ the center of their home. And so I just can't unsee that and do, do anything else but that. Anyway, just connect, you know, there's just something yeah. there that I just connect with the students. Well, student ministry, it's unavoidable. We cannot think of it as just ministry to just the student. They are part of mm-hmm. what the way my wife refers to it in, in counseling circles is they're part of a system. There's a family system and that system, there's a, there's a child or two children or three or however many, and then there's a mom and dad or, and then whatever that becomes different as families break up and they change, but there's still, that's a family system. And so for us just to invest in the student, it's not going to be lasting change. And so investing in parents and uh, those families can make a significant difference. Well, That's share right. with our listeners what's currently going on in your life in ministry. So right now, I am on the tail end of doctoral work. Praise the Lord, and <laughs> uh, and and really, it, it's working through uh, the family, and uh, it's a doctorate in education on family ministry, and yeah. and that's that's really just continuing that heartbeat of, of student ministry as we talked about earlier. Just want to do that well, so I'm on the on the tail end of finishing that up. It should be mostly turned in by the end of this summer, and then, uh, just as far as ministry goes, uh, we're we're jumping into the summer. We just finished up our our last regular worship night with our students. Next week we'll have a big, just you know, big end of the year party, and then be gearing up for soar this summer. So mm. we're excited about that. So what does a summer look like at Antioch? At Antioch, uh, the student ministry, really, the big thing is SOAR. That's, that's really the big push. Otherwise, what we're going to do is, I'm calling it a summer tour. And uh, we're going to go either from house to house, or we have at Antioch a perspective building over at UCA. We'll probably take some use of that. And just each week, do something a little different and uh, do some um, devotionals, but then also just build relationships through the summer. It's just a very relational time um, to have with our students. You know, we've, we've talked about kind of what's going on. um, But, and sometimes that's reflected in what you're passionate about, but what, what's on your heart now? 
Yeah, the the biggest thing is uh, how can I connect the student and their mom and dad? What what can we do there to kind of unite those relationships? And and so right now, I will say my wife, she is really, I mean, she's my partner in crime when it comes to <laughs> to ministry. And honestly, she does it a thousand times better than I do. And so. Yeah, when I say earlier, I'm not good at planning. Well, she is, and so she really helps in that way. And some of the things that her and I have been doing is uh, just events with moms and daughters or events with dads and sons, uh, doing more things with the family. And that's really been pretty cool to see here at Antioch. Uh, we just finished, a, I think, we, yeah, we called it Brushes and Brunch. And she came up with that. That was not me. And uh, and they did a painting with moms and daughters. The, they were just painting, had a little class, had some food, and made it all girly, you know, and had blasts with it. And, and it was just neat to get moms and daughters together doing something. And uh, so that's, that's really what I'm passionate about right now is just trying to do that. And I know there's also, there's also students who really don't have that. They don't have the stable, stable home life or maybe mm. mom and dad don't even love Jesus at all. And so trying to find what I would call a surrogate parent here at the church, just to kind of to mentor and to, to love on those students as well. And there's not a lot of that, but there is some. And so that's definitely something that we're trying to do just to connect the students to, um, to an adult that loves Jesus. And then also to connect the students to their parents um, just enforcing that mindset, continuing. I love that that concept that you just shared, this idea of a surrogate parent. Now, it's not the parent in the same sense, I'm assuming, as you know, the taking care of the day-to-day stuff, but a kind of right. a spiritual parent there at, within that congregation. That's right. Uh, and in a way, you know, we're, we're adopting them into the family. Yeah. And making them a part. In student ministry, uh, Dr. Richard Ross, one of my mentors, always says that you have to have five adults in a student's life to really see them continuing in the faith. And when I thought about your question earlier, even with who is invested in your life as a teenager, I could easily come up with five adults. Yeah. Um, and I just think that's important. And so if we could do that and plug these adults to their lives, that's a big deal. So that's what I'm passionate about. We could spend a whole podcast and we probably will at some point talking about that concept. I, I love uh, getting students connected with adults because I've just seen, I've seen that work. I was, I'm a result of that. I, my family was not in church when I went to church in high school, but there were all sorts of people within that little congregation that loved on me and invested in me and wanted God's best for my life. And so, mm. man, it, it, that's good stuff. Good stuff. Mm. Well, uh, today we want to talk about a couple of things, but your breakout session at the SOAR conference is going to be about um, helping students kind of walk in the reality of their faith. It, it's entitled Making My Faith Real. And the description is this, what's the next step in your faith? Understand who you are in Christ and how to make the Great Commission reality in your life. And, and so it's aimed at students, and, but we wanted to kind of touch on these topics and subjects as a podcast so that we could, one, kind of pour into our students a little bit before, but also give our student ministry workers an idea of what these sessions are going to be like. So we're kind of talking about two things. I, I, 
and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, today we're talking about two things. One, what a real faith is all about. Number two, how to help our students feel the reality of their faith. So let me start with this question. How would you define faith for a teenager or or really anyone? That's a great question. And I, I sum it up quickly and then we can discuss it, but it's to know God and make him known. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of my, my mantra, I guess, that I say a lot to our students. Know God and make him known. And, and really, I think our culture has pushed on us to focus on us for our happiness, our desires, what we want. And that's totally opposite of really what what we should be doing when we should be focusing on Christ and being in awe of Him and, and serving Him and uh, and making our lives all about Him. And so it's more for His holiness than our happiness. So uh, how would you define faith for, for anyone? You know, you could also go to the idea of love God and love others, and you really can't separate the two. Yeah. So the other thought I had, too, is just this idea of relationship, a relationship with God and a relationship with others. We need to make sure that we desire the Lord and we spend time with Him through prayer, through His Word, and then to make Him known. You know, I always say, too, that we're not a secret agent for the faith. We're supposed to be spreading our faith and, and making Him known being the disciple who makes more disciples even. So there's a bunch of thoughts there, but that's that's where I would go. What you're describing is is a faith that manifests itself in mm. in some visible ways. I mean, I can say I love God, I can say I love people, but if it's not seen, you know, it's that whole concept that we find in the book of James. And mm-hmm. so you know, how do you find define faith for a teenager, for anybody else? It's, uh, like you said, it's to know God and to, to make him known. But it's for the world. The, the world needs to see that. People in our, yeah. our, t- our students' lives need to see that. That's right. Let me, let me kind of follow this question up with, with this other one. Um, what are some things that might confuse our students about the reality of their faith? And the reason I ask that is there are a lot of times that students will walk an aisle when they are a child. They will get baptized because somebody else is getting baptized. I mean, there's some mm-hmm. things like that. And so once they get to their teenage years, they may they may be confused about their faith. And so I kind of described a, a couple there, but what are what are some other things that might confuse our students about the reality of their faith? I think it's a great thought. And as you're you're asking the question one of the things that came to my mind was uh, I recently read the book Replicate by Robbie Gallaty. And Robbie's thing in that book was that the church has done really, really well at sharing the gospel. We do a great job at letting people know who Jesus is uh, and, and even getting them to the church and, and baptized. But after that, it just stops. And so what's the problem? And Robbie would say it's discipleship. We're not discipling. Uh, I recently uh, had a chance to, to spend a session here at Antioch with our interns, teaching them about discipleship. And one of them mentioned this very idea. Uh, he's like, well, well, what do you do you know, when you're sharing your faith? And I would say that we need to start entering this idea of discipleship a re, an ongoing relationship past 
salvation. You know, past the idea of I've accepted Christ and I'm baptized, but hey, there's also this ongoing relationship. And I think a lot of times we get stuck, well, I accepted Christ at camp. It was big emotional experience, but uh, and I actually got baptized too. And and then um, there was no follow-up, and no one really ever came to my side and helped me uh, know how to follow the Lord and showed me how to study the Word, showed me how to pray. And so we have a lot of people now over a, a period of time who have never been showed shown how to follow the Lord. So we're kind of clinging to that to that uh, time that we accepted Christ, but then we've never made any movements past that. And so I can see how it'd be very confusing to, to a teenager to say, man, now I want you to be a disciple who makes disciples, but what is that? <laughs> and so, yeah. Yeah. What are some ways that, that you help facilitate that? It's a slow process, but one of the things is that I, one of the things I've learned, I've always known that we're supposed to be a disciple who makes a disciple, but actually doing that is a whole nother thing. Right. And I've always in my, my meetings with my adult leaders say, man, guys, we need to be doing this. And then it hit me that I wasn't really showing them how. And it also hit me that I wasn't leading and, and also doing it. I was thinking, well, I'm just going to tell them, then equip them, and then we'll make this happen. So yeah. really, you know, and this kind of almost leads into the next question that we might talk about. But uh, but but really, I think that we need to show it. We need to lead in doing that and show them how by doing it. Well, there's been... Uh... I don't want to say a lot of discussion about discipleship, but and maybe that's just what how God is speaking to me right now through through friends and through books and and through concepts. Um, but this need for us to to be disciples who make disciples starts with us, and then we figure out a way to help our students, those that have accepted Christ, those that have a relationship with God, kind of step into that role and. It's not easy because many of us, and whether you're my age and knocking on 50 or Jonathan's age of, of 33, <laughs> uh, you know, if you're one of the, you may not have been discipled well. I don't remember right. being discipled myself, whether I was a teenager or at any other point. And then you get to a point and people are like, well, you should have already been discipled. Well, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, yeah. it's, it's a big problem. That we have it's to figure out problem. how to navigate. Because I, I wasn't discipled really either. Praise the Lord, I do have some of these guys who spent some time, like my basketball coach, and investing in me. And that's, that you can say that's definitely discipleship for sure, sure. Uh, showing me how to, to walk with the Lord faithfully. But that was just for a short stint, you know, a few weeks. But I just wonder what would it be like if we were to really make this real in our student ministries, mm -hmm. in our churches, and so, so really to answer the question earlier, uh, I got sidetracked, but it's, it's start slow, you know, pick a couple or two or three students that you know are leaders and, and disciple them and then let them go and disciple others. But you make it very clear what you're doing and expectations of, Hey guys, I want you to, to meet with me and here's why yeah. and, and let them do that. So it's a slow process, and uh, but some, a couple of leaders have started doing the same thing, and I, I'm pretty excited to see that over the years. 
and I love the words you used, expectation, or what, what you expect in this situation. Students will rise to that. And it is mm-hmm. exciting to see. Too often we think, well, they're just students or they're just, you know, they're not going to do this. But man, they're looking for a challenge. They want to embrace right. a real faith, something that means something to them, not just right. for today, but for their life. And so my question for you is, how do we help our students embrace their faith in a deeper way where it is real to them, that it is a reality to every aspect of their life? I think students can see through something that's fake. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, they can see that a mile away. And so if we're not willing to share our faith and if we're not willing to disciple, if we're not willing to uh, be an authentic believer, you can only lead somebody so far. And if you've never been there, then you really can't lead them there. Yeah. And one of the things that I have learned in this past year here at Antioch is uh, is that very thing. And and the more that I've been able to, to be with students, even in the discipleship type of thing, we may be meeting up for coffee. And uh, just the other day, there was someone come in that, I remember from college days and we didn't have the greatest relationship and I just kind of opened up that idea to them. And we talked about it for a few moments of what does this look like? Should I, uh, should I actually like, like this guy or how should I react to this guy? Uh, ignore him. And anyway, just doing life with students, I think is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And those relationships will go a long way and they'll look at the way you're living. And if we're not living as we should, that's a big deal too. Well, helping our students embrace their faith is is not it's not easy. It's not for the faint-hearted, but it definitely is for those that that want to do life with students that that don't mind the messiness of relational ministry. Mm. Um, and I I mean I love that aspect. I like getting to know a student, to hear his story, to to know what they're dreaming about and what they look forward to it's a lot of fun. I mean, it just is a lot of fun. Well, yeah. And there was one other thought I did have. It's just, uh, being there for the student showing up and and just being, being available, you know, go to their ball games, go to their, their concerts and just, just letting them know that you're there because you, you not only love them, but you like them too. And I think that's a big deal and it helps them as they uh, are trying to figure all this out. Well, Jonathan, we, our podcast is for the full-time, part-time, bivocational volunteer, student ministry worker. Uh, I know that you serve in, in what in our group, and our tribe, is a larger church. What does that look like in your mind for, say, uh, the smaller setting? I mean, does, does anything change as you shrink this down? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think... The, you still you still strive to for those to make those relationships and uh, uh, you still strive to make the relationships with mom and dad and you know mm, even if you yeah. have six to eight students or if you have 50 to 60 students I, I think you do it the same way you you equip yourself to be uh, a follower of Jesus you equip others Never do student ministry alone. I don't care if your group is three students. Get someone else in there yeah, and yeah. and do life with that person. 
and it help them equip the students as well because they, they need more than one person that is, is helping them follow the Lord. Uh, you equip your students on how to follow the Lord. You equip the parents. And so really, if you're equipping parents, leaders, and students, you can do that anywhere. doesn't matter the size of your church. Jonathan, as as we start to wrap up today, um, what might you say to student ministry workers that um, are coming to SOAR and you're you're telling them, okay, come to my breakout group or send your students to my breakout group. What are you going to tell them? What what are you going to share with them? The biggest thing is this is all about how do we make our faith real and. I think students really need somebody to be real with them and somebody just to share with them. This is what it looks like to to actually follow the Lord Jesus. And this is how you do it. And, and you know, it's going to be a session just focused on that a lot about the Great Commission as far as, uh, man, we need to to share our faith. We need to be disciples who makes disciples. Well, what does that look like? And my prayer is that it's just a little clearer that we can we can know how to really make our faith real. And and I think students are up for that challenge. So yeah, I'm excited to be are. able to be a part of that. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for for being on the podcast today. Thank you for your your work at Antioch and thank you uh, for being able to share at the SOAR 2022 conference. Well, thank you very much, and I, I, I love being able to just be a part of this today, and I'm excited to be able to serve along with you guys this summer. Hey, before we go, you know, the, one of the things, since you're on your, your doctoral work right now, you're having to read, well, if you're like me, you're reading all the time. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. do you have any book recommendations for the student ministry workers who are listening today? I do. Uh, there's there's two or three that I would actually like to to share, and one of them is um, one of them is Faith for Exiles: Five mm-hmm. Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon. Really, there's some a lot of stats in there, but there's a lot of good stuff just to kind of show you where we are in today's culture. And I think it will help the student minister be able to understand culture a little bit better and, and how to go about that. And there's some great stuff in that book. The other one that I love uh, that I recently read was Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry, a practical guide edited by Cameron Cole and John Nielsen. That book is definitely one of the, one of the better books that I've ever read on student ministry. So I would, I would highly recommend that one. In the 2018 Student Ministry Workers Retreat, we gave that out to our attendees. And so yeah, that is that is definitely a good one there. So I appreciate that. Uh, I'm always looking for, for books that we can recommend, resources that we can get in the hands of our listeners, as well as those that are connected with our churches. Student ministry is, is difficult and it's hard, uh, but when we do these things together and share how God is teaching us, man, it can make a significant difference. Again, we want to thank you for listening today as we've talked about helping our students have a real faith. It is not an easy task, but it is the one that God has called us to. And so I just want to encourage you to keep going, to keep moving forward, to keep loving on students, building those relationships, because student ministry matters. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. 
Get Connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.